1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
2: Hey guys, welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Staten. Welcome, this is season six and this is our 300th episode, Holy Smokes. It's flown by. I can't believe we've been at it for over six years, and we're so fortunate to have you listen and join us as we get to know these amazing people, their stories, get educated and inspired, this motivation. And really, we're just trying to sell you hard work that you can leverage your passions and create the best possible version of yourself. Episode 300, here we go. (laughs) Welcome to the Elk Podcast Season 6 with your host, Dan the Fitness Man. Thank you for tuning in. We are excited to have you. This is the podcast that is dedicated to hard work, disciplined decisions, and year-round training in the pursuit of the best possible version of ourselves. We leverage elk hunting to create a pathway we understand that time is finite and we cannot squander a second we must be leaders at our home we understand that faith is our number one priority then family then fitness then health then wealth our year-round discipline decisions help us leave a legacy for our family to follow you will leave here motivated inspired and educated We bring on a wide variety of guests, subject matter experts, so that you can tune in, get what you need to get, and continue on your journey. We are blessed to call ourselves Elk Hunters, Season 6. Here we go. Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast, episode number 300. And I wouldn't want to podcast with anyone else, but the two dudes in front of me on the 300th episode, I got to my right, my Faja. And to my left, my buddy, since we were in diapers, Tyler Denham. Boys, welcome to the podcast studio.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
2: If we're telling the truth, this is our <laughs> second time doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Why is that?
3: Uh, didn't record right while we were driving back.
2: Yeah, I had I brought all the podcasting gear to Canada. and I'm like, you know, we got a 12-hour drive. We can record on the way home. And uh, apparently I'm not good at driving <laughs> and being the audio technician, so...
3: And Uh, and you wouldn't let me drive, so...
2: No, I don't like... (laughs) No, I like to drive. I'm a
3: professional, by the way.
2: True that. Tyler is a captain, firefighter, paramedic, father, bow hunter, rifle hunter, gear junkie, crossfitter. Photographer. Photographer, videographer, editor. (laughs) I am
3: pretty much do everything.
2: Yep. Dad, you're a cowboy. You have six horses? Five. Five.
1: He's a farmer.
2: And you farm... What do you farm?
1: Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. I got rid of my raised gardens. You really did? Yeah.
2: That's a first.
1: Because I can get green beans cheaper in a can at the grocery store.
2: (laughs) 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 They don't taste as good. No, they don't. they actually...
1: There's no comparison. None. Especially carrots and green beans. Carrots. Alicia's carrots last year
2: were like candy. All right, guys. Let's get to this podcast. So, looking back over the last six years of podcasting. We've been fairly consistent. We've dropped a podcast a week on average. We've got the opportunity to turn phones off, look at somebody in the eyeballs and get to know them, tell stories. And honestly, you guys are like my favorite platform because you're the nicest audience. I don't have to check comments. I don't have to get hate. uh, And I don't have to worry that the downloads are going to drop. It's been the most consistently growing thing since we started. So, This is cheers to you all. You have so many options out there when it comes to podcasts, more than when I started. But you choose to come back to here because I think you understand I'm trying to sell you one thing. I'm selling you hard work. And if you buy that, you're going to live and lead the best life possible. With that, I want to just thank you guys. I want to move into set the stage for this pod today with the boys. We just got back from going to Canada on an outfitted – black bear hunt in alberta now how this came about was two years ago brian who um is the owner or operator or something of twin valley outfitters in alberta reached out to me and said hey man huge fan of your channel i noticed you shoot a lot of two to three hundred pound black bears in idaho why don't you come up to canada and shoot a 400 pounder and the first time he said that to me i was like hey man that sounds cool I'm going to Alaska for bear hunting. I don't have room in my schedule to do Canada as well. Let's talk 2023. Sure as shit. He emailed me, was like, can you do it this year? I just took over an outfit. It'll be my first year running it, but I've killed tons of bears in this area. You guys should come up. We, we made it a subscriber thing. So we booked the whole week, and we had four spots available for our YouTube subscribers. And that, he said he got over 3,000 people entering to just hunt with us for that week. He picked four. And by the way, he did a great job picking yes, those four did. people. Um, and we'll get into them in a second. And then I got to pick three guys, so what my group would be for. So originally I picked uh, Drew Howerton Construction, Howerton Construction, my electrician, chick white-teeth friend who is fitter, stronger, faster, shoots elk, butchers elk, eats more meat than anyone I know. Tim Connor, producer Tim and jacob the web that was the original plan and none of them went on this hunt because a lot of stuff has happened since then
3: correct
2: and so i'll catch you guys up to speed tim wanted to uh formalize our agreement that's his words for the youtube channel and that just means he uh, that's code for i want to renegotiate my contract he wasn't happy uh we did not agree so he's out good luck to you tim no hard feelings For the most part, and then Jake, uh Jake decided that he needed to be a kind of a grown up. He's man, how old is Jake? Thirty seven. Yep. Lives with his dad. His dad's way up there in age, like in his eighties. So he's kind of a caretaker of his father, and he's got two girls. And he's like, "Man, I ain't got no time to be following you around in the woods with a camera. I need to gets me a a real job again." And Jake's like, "World class welder, world class." So he's doing his thing. I totally respect, I understand. No hard feelings. And then Drew is like, Dan, I'm running my own business. I just got a bid. I just want to bid for a huge job. I can go on this hunt, but then I'm not going to be able to hunt as much in September. And September is more important to me. And I'm like, dude, you know what I, you know what I think about that. So he's out. So then we, I scrambled. I asked Josh Jones. He agreed. I asked you. Yep. You declined. And then I tried to convince you to do it. And then you accepted. And then Tyler... Well, you guilted
1: me a little. I did guilt you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and we'll get into that, Dad. But basically, you and I used to hunt a lot together. Yep. And we don't hunt together as much as we used to. So I wanted you to go. And then Tyler is like my first choice for like the dude who has flexibility in his schedule. He's a firefighter. He gets paid to work out and watch video movies and play video games all day
1: <laughs> yeah and pick up dead people and yeah no. bring people back to life and
2: all sorts of stuff bottom line is this is who went and it was 12 hours one way and here's what we were told and i cascaded all the inf- i'm your liaison right mm-hmm. outfitter told me we'd be staying he sent me a picture of these cabins
1: three beautiful cabins and with a flag out front yeah beautiful flowers
2: and then he sent me <laughs> several photos with timestamps from his trail cameras of all the bears hitting all his baits. Correct. And he said he had 16 or 17 baits out. And I'm like, this sounds awesome. And he's like, oh, and you can get two bear tags per person. And I'm like, oh, let's go. So we did. And when we got there, I got to take a timeout. There's two drives everybody needs to do, in my opinion. Yes. The first one is fly to Anchorage and drive, rent a car, and drive to Homer. Then hop on a boat, go around the peninsula and hunt black bears. But do that drive in late spring. Unbelievable. It rivals what we did. And then the other one is drive through Bam for Jasper. Um, there's nobody there compared to Yellowstone. Like, I pulled over and videoed an amazing grizzly bear on a kill in uh, Banff, if that had been Yellowstone, we would have had nowhere to park. You couldn't drive by (laughs) and there'd be some jackass out there trying to get a selfie up close with a bear. Yep. So Banff (laughs) is greater than Yellowstone and it has the same animals. Yes. Yeah. Any disagreement there? That was a bold statement.
1: Yeah.
2: And you have like, you can camp. Like you don't have to like book a year. Anyways, I've stayed in Yellowstone with my family. They're really strict there. Um, Really strict, and it's just a different vibe. So Banff was gorgeous. Hadn't driven through there in 14 years. How long had it been for you, Dad?
1: Uh, 35 years, 40 years? Way too long. Way too long.
2: Tyler, you're a regular up there because you ice climb. I forgot to mention that. He knows all the roads. (laughs) You've been up there.
1: Uh,
2: Yeah, but I haven't been up there
3: um, not in the wintertime since 2007.
2: Okay. So it was awesome, and we took our time. We kind of made a few stops and took photos and video and just soaked it in. It was beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Made it to the uh, Outfitter on Saturday night and got to meet all the subs. Wow. Let's just break those guys down. First and foremost, Dan, the man, firefighter out of Red Deer, paramedic. You and him hit it off, Tyler, because mm-hmm. you guys are both paramedics. Yep. But he ain't no captain. So.
3: No, he's uh, new, newer. So he's only been hunt, or working for the Red Deer Fire Department for like three, four years. Something like that. Yeah.
2: But just long enough to like have that awesome firefighter sense of humor. Like you have to have like, oh, you've yeah. seen stupid stuff. Yep. You gotta have to, <laughs> you know, and he was a great guy and he's actually one of two individuals to kill a bear the entire week. So we'll talk about that. Um, Then we had Craig, I would say arguably the most knowledgeable, biggest geek when it comes to archery, shot his bow twice as much as everybody. Yes. And Craig is like legit, like guy that wants to make himself better. He even left camp one night, drove to Edmonton to watch Jordan Peterson live. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And he also woke up several mornings before everybody and went on his own. Yeah. And we'll talk about why he had to do that. And then we had his best buddy, Justin, who's a family man, yep. great archer, sacrificed a ton to be on this hunt. I could feel the strain, not only like from us, I would say from like a wife letting you go, the financials. It was a big commitment for yep. him. And then we had the French-Canadian, William, <laughs> who is arguably the most entertaining human of them all just because of his accent alone. What a great guy
1: yep awesome awesome
2: and then we roll in and then i would say brian's got brian the outfitter he's a dedicated archer he's bow killed a lot of bears and he set his camp up with bow hunters in mind he had a a giant block target like what is that 48 inches tall at least at least yeah um, the kind you would find in like an indoor archery range mm-hmm. brought the, all the, and then he had a ground blind setup so you could practice shooting out of a ground blind cause yep. all of his setups were ground blind and he had a 3d bear. Like he, like yep. that's awesome. Yeah. He set up tents for us to stay in, which isn't really what was advertised, but that's fine. And he had a portable shower, a place for us to like a mess hall for us to hang out and drink yep. coffee. Cause Tyler and I, well, you too. Between the three of us, we're talking three pots of coffee (laughs) a day.
1: Yep, easily, Uh, easily.
2: All in all, camp was a pretty good vibe. It was a pretty busy public land area, and it was a three-day weekend in Canada. So when we first got there, there was like high school kids partying all night, and I could hear their music. So I wasn't stoked about that, but it did kind of cool off after the weekend. Yep. But uh, the stoke was high. We got in there, and um, we just shot our bows, got ready for the next day. Now, guys, bear hunting in general— It's pretty chill. Like it's not that fruitful to get up at Oh dark 30, which is like what four in the morning there and get out there and try to find bears or hunt them over bait. Bears are out in the morning, but just for a little while. And then they mainly sleep majority of the day, wherever it's cool because they have a giant fur coat on and it's warming up. Mm -hmm. And then they will come out potentially a few times a day just to grab some grass or whatever. Unless it's the rut. Otherwise, your best bet's the last, what, hour or two of daylight?
3: Yeah, afternoon for sure.
2: Yeah, we call it bear 30, 430. And Rod, we've bear hunted since 2007. And how we got started was I went with an outfitter in Idaho. Tell us about that experience.
1: Yeah, you were, I think you were like reviewing him or something for Sportsman's Warehouse News or something. I can't remember. Yeah. Long time ago. So we went to... Uh, Don't say names. No, we went to an outfitter, and we drove probably three, three and a half hours from our house. No, wasn't that much, two hours maybe. Uh, met them at a giant, on a pass with a giant wall of snow. I mean, giant. And here they are parked with uh, side-by-sides with tracks and snow machines and stuff.
2: And this was middle of June. Middle of June, and they picked us up. High.
1: And they drove us over the pass, down out of the snow line, to a small forest service camp. And there were some cabins, and then there was a main mess hall. And there was absolutely no camaraderie. Very little discussion around the table, you know. And basically, uh, you went out hunting... And passed on a bear, I think, a little rat bear. And some of the other guys in camp passed on a couple of bears. And then that night, the outfitter got liquored up. And, I mean, he got liquored up. Yeah. And he busted into the chow hall while we are all eating and began to dress everybody down. He said his name and how many bears he's killed in his camp. And when you see a bear, you shoot it. I don't care what size it is you shoot it this is a bear camp and then he left and uh but we saw a couple of bears i mean yeah we had opportunities uh i had an opportunity uh to shoot a beautiful cinnamon bear and missed it and uh so that was our only experience but it wasn't a nice vibe. It was no.
2: There was zero. Com- I couldn't tell you who we were with. Everybody no. was individual. I
1: know we were with an old dude from Minnesota that comes every year.
2: Yeah, and but he, he just sent- read a book all day. Yeah, by he'd himself. sit in his
1: chair and read his book, and then.
2: But what? Here is what I, my takeaways were on that hunt. I was a student because I knew Idaho. Yep. And I knew I could do whatever they were doing, so I literally took note of their bait setups. Yep how they access them, where they put them, yep. what they baited with, their stands, their wind selection, um, everything. And by the way, you missed a bear because the guy set us up with bows yep. in a wide open meadow yep. and the bear came in the first night and circled us and we couldn't get him. Yep. And there was no blinds, nothing. It was just on the ground.
1: On the ground. And we told the,
2: the outfitter bush. that and he's like, well, yeah, you use my rifle. And we're like, okay. And... Is it sighted in, sir? Yo, that's on. And (laughs) you missed a uh, 300-plus pound cinnamon boar at 150 yards.
1: If even that, really. And then we went and shot
2: that rifle the next day, and it was like a foot and a half off to the left. So that was a shit show. But what they did know is they knew how to bait bears. Absolutely. And the very next year in 08 was our first year out baiting at the cave bait, and I killed my first bear over do-it-yourself, Baiting, and I've probably killed two bears ever since. Not only baiting, but then I got into spotting and stalking. In fact, my first spot and stock ever was with you. Like it, it's been an evolution. So that outfitter experience was horrible, but we learned so much that we basically became extremely proficient at not only baiting yes. and the tactics that we use, but also spotting and stalking.
1: And the outfitter ultimately wound up being maybe. 40 50 miles 60 miles from where we bought the cabin so we really adopted a lot of his techniques and just started trying stuff and absolutely man the learning curve went through the roof
2: they, fast. they knew how to bring bears in they and, and they're yes. still operating today and his son runs it they're good people but we just had a pretty bad experience because uh they got the water for camp out of the creek. Didn't tell us that. We were drinking like they made lemonade with that water and oh, like yeah. all this stuff, and like we're just drinking water. And then yeah. this is an '07, and then all of a sudden the the kid, the guides, or the outfitter's son, the main guide, he locks himself in his room for a full day, doesn't bait, puking his guts out. Yeah, his girlfriend gets sick. She was up there. She's puking her guts out. And we're like, oh, what do they have? Yeah, And then I didn't feel the effects of Giardia until a week after. And then I felt the effects of Giardia for four weeks afterwards.
1: Yeah. Oh, I felt it.
2: You had to yeah. go on antibiotics.
1: Yeah. And I had to literally sit down in a creek Yeah, to put the fire out. Yeah. It was like, it was unbelievable. It was like nothing I've ever been through and it was hot remember
2: so hot it was, it was like
1: 90 degrees
2: maybe not that hot but 80, it was hot.
1: 80 90 whatever it was hot and we were out in that open spot just laying in the in the sun all day and the stomach is going Ear. yeah it was not good it's not good it was
2: a rough it was a rough deal but i do i am grateful for the lessons learned yes and hadn't really hunted with an outfitter since then when it comes to bear hunting just like even last year in Alaska, that wasn't an outfitter. That's a transporter. So they don't tell you anything other than, where do you want to go? Okay, I'll drop you off. Here's yep. a radio. Radio me when you want to be picked up at midnight. Yeah. I dig that. So I was pretty hesitant to go with an outfitter. But what lured me in was the fact that Canada's got a s ton of bears. Yeah. And I could kill two bears in a week. And I could watch you guys kill two bears in a week.
1: And we didn't have to go do the baits.
2: And I have to do any of the baiting, <laughs> and I get to hang out with some subscribers. Hopefully, they're cool. Turns out they're way more than cool. Yeah. So, first day in camp, we start shooting long bombs because we got nothing but time to kill, right? Mm-hmm. And we're shooting 100 yard bombs at a 3D bear and hanging out with the guys. They're all archery nerds. They're huge fans of the channel, and they're all really good at archery. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody sucked. It was pretty cool. <laughs> really it it good. was really cool.
1: Really good.
2: And then that first night, we're all get transported by all the guides, dropped off at all our baits, and, and of course, they had a special one saved for me because yeah. I have a YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh,
1: <coughs> You're Dan whatever. the hunting man, <coughs> and they wanted to get you a big one.
2: hmm And they had five shooters showing up at this one, and I'm, like, on the ground, no blind, 16 yards from the barrel, just ready to smoke a giant. You know what I mean? And I sat there from 1 p.m., until 10, 10 p.m., and then walked out, and I saw a squirrel. What did you see, Tyler?
3: That first night, that's not all I saw. What a did you see, Dad? Ravens. A
2: really
1: fat squirrel. Okay. He was a trophy. So then he we go a...
2: back to camp, and I'm like, surely there's seven of us. Somebody somebody had to see a bear. And Craig did see a bear. Yeah. He's never seen a bear in his life. No. And he shoots the first bear to come into the bait.
1: Because he's smart.
2: Well. He's got bear meat and we don't. And yep. um, possibly could have been one of the smaller bears I've ever seen, but it wasn't a baby cub or anything. But no, he just shot. He didn't know. He just shot a bear, and I don't think he regretted it. And so if he's happy, I'm happy. So Craig shoots a bear. No one else sees anything. No. My red flag kind of starts rising, like going up a little. I'm like the same. Like we should have seen five or six bears per person fighting over bait,
3: or at least small bears or just. Passed on something, a sow and a
1: couple of cubs, something to entertain
3: you, something, between between everybody.
2: And it's not like these baits are stacked on top of each other; we're all pretty spread out, or whatever, relatively speaking. Yeah. So day two goes by. We're doing all the shooting in camp. We're making good YouTube videos. Learn some cool stuff from these guys. For example, William had a broadhead sharpening device I'd never seen before. That was amazing. Filmed that. Can't wait to show that. Uh, Craig had these little gizmos from Dan McCarthy, a professional archer for, shoots for Matthews that you put in your cables and it allows them to not twist as much when you're doing like some cam lean and cam timing timing. Yeah. So, cause like we get example, a lot of times my top cam on a Matthews will just barely not be touching when the bottom one is. And if you make a half twist, it's too much. So it's kind of like a fractionalize your twists to really get perfection. Perf- it's for like next level nerds that are OCD. Yeah,
1: they were these little. Uh, what were those brass?
2: Plastic. Well, they were brass, weren't they? I think were they, they were little- brass,
3: but they were like a little hourglass shape, and so you'd stick them in your in your cable so that it would it would take up just a little fraction of a, of the slack, and you could. Put multiple in and mix and match to get it exactly perfect timing on both
1: sides. Which is awesome. I never heard of it. It
3: sounded like he got that from the target archery world.
1: Yeah,
2: Dan McCarthy's deal.
1: Well, I'm glad that Josh Jones didn't get his passport in time because he would have been having his eyes opened to how many really smart bow hunters there are out there that really know their equipment they knew all this terminology i'd never even heard these guys were students of the game oh my goodness i was so i was learning from them which is
2: great the other thing we filmed was um what were those
1: broadheads that those that that he was sharpening
2: he sharpened my iron wills and he's using the same single bevel iron will yeah but craig also brought a fletching device from goat That I'd never seen before for four fletches.
1: I'm ordering it.
2: I was, and again, we filmed this, so that'll be on a YouTube video coming soon. Really cool stuff. So maybe the bear hunting wasn't great, but man, the camaraderie in camp, and that was the most memorable for me. But I'm just going to fast forward to the second night. We all sit. We all come back. No one sees a bear. My red flag is all the way up. It gets up (laughs) the flagpole. I'm like, this, what is going on? Like, Mm -hmm. And the outfitter is the nicest guy in the world, and he is stressed the f out. You can tell he is just like, yeah. What What am I going to do here? Like, I don't know why my baits aren't. He's on his me
1: phone yet. constantly. On
2: his phone. Next thing you know, he comes up to me. He's like, "All right, Dan, I talked to my buddy. He has a different allocation. I'm going to pay for you to hunt his allocation. I'm going to send my guide. You're going to go hunt. It's only an hour away." <laughs> now,
1: do you remember? Uh, I was in my tent reading. And he grabbed you right outside the tent. And when he came up to you, he's like,
2: Dan, Dan, hey, Dan.
1: And then he he starts talking. Did you hear what I said?
2: Yeah. Shenanigans. (laughs) He's just scrambling so hard because he wants a video out of this, right? Yeah. He wants a video to help promote his business. And we want to kill bears. And we want him to get it. And we're rooting for them. And they're rooting for us. Mm -hmm. So my hour drive that day, this is day three. Two and a half hours easily. And we meet up with the other guide and he takes me into this bait. And it's such a dope setup. It's a wooden tree stand platform. So it's like enough room for a chair. My camera to be on a tripod my backpack. I could lay down if I wanted to. Was it hand
1: built or not? Hand built. Hand built.
2: And sturdy. And not so high off the ground where you're freaked out. Uh, and then the bait was just off the ledge to where the prevailing wind was from the bait to me. But even when the thermal switch, the bears can smell the bait, but they don't smell you. Right. It was just a perfect setup. And I had um, a sow come in and she came in for 15 minutes. Her behavior was, I knew it was a sow because her wrists, this is weird, but her wrists were so skinny yep. and her hips were so wide and she would get in the, tip the barrel over and she'd go put her head all the way in the barrel and she could get her shoulders into the barrel. She wasn't broad. That's when I'm like, yeah, she's definitely a sow. But her behavior was like paranoid that another bear was going to do bad things to her. Like yep. she must have been in heat. I could just tell like she had been messed with yep. and she was just constantly looking over her shoulder. So when I passed on her, it was early. It was like six o'clock PM. It doesn't get dark till ten ten. That's your last legal out light. I'm like, I got three hours of an of a sow and heat smell at this food source, I'm going to shoot a giant tonight. And I did not. I never saw another bear. And so the next day.
1: Was that the day he got up early?
2: No, the next day is when Tyler decided to take matters in his own hands. One of the baits was getting hit, and all the rest of the baits were not even getting hit by bears, not even at night. But one of them was in the morning. So Tyler got up at what time?
3: I got up at four thirty.
2: What time did you go to bed the night before? Um,
3: 11, eleven, eleven
2: thirty. So you took a nap, <laughs> you got up, they dropped you off so you could walk in, not ride <clears throat> a machine in.
3: Yep. He dropped me off and he, he actually just kinda of parked where it was like he's like about five hundred yards from the bait site, but he just rolled in, dropped me off, and I walked in and sat and waited.
2: And you made sure not to go right to the bait. You waited. You watched from a couple...
3: Let's see. Yeah, I was... um, No, I was... uh, That morning, I think I sat about 80 yards back. Okay. um, And just waited. Um, The wind was really good um, blowing from the bait to me towards where I came in. So I was was pretty confident that they weren't going to circle me and win. They... If they were circled, they would come in between me and the bait mm-hmm. um and then go into the bait. Yeah. Which is what I was hoping, but that didn't happen.
2: So day four comes, nobody's seen a bear except for Craig and now me. Craig shot one, I saw I passed on a sow. And it's we're four days in. So Dan, the subscriber who lives in Alberta can go hunt with me two and a half hours north because it doesn't take one of the alien allocations. Basically, mm-hmm. doesn't cost anything. Right. So he elects to go with me, and I told him, hey, man, you should sit the bait I was at yesterday. Like, there's a nice sow. She doesn't have cubs. You've never killed a bear. Maybe you shoot her. Maybe she brings in a giant. Like, get something killed. Um, you guys stay back. Everybody stays back. Everyone sits Nobody sees a bear at your camp. I try a new spot. I see nothing. And it sucks for me is that I'm getting back at 1.30 a.m. You guys are all in bed. So I'm missing Mm -hmm. the best part of camp is when everybody reports back how their evening went, what they saw, whatever. I get back. I don't get lunch. I don't get dinner. I go to bed. And it's just that's how my hunt was the rest of the time. Two and a half hour drive, two and a half hour drive, blank sits, no bears, No camaraderie. So I was ready to go home after day four. I was like, you guys want to go home? This is, like, not happening. And we're even, like, consulting Brian from a standpoint of, hey, man, we've done this a long time. You need to find baits that you should have baits set up to where you never, the hunter never gets dropped off by a side-by-side or four-wheeler. Like, you park and you watch the bait from three to 500 yards away and when a bear gets on the bait, the hunter starts sneaking in. We call it ground and pound. We like that's how we started killing big bears over bait, because all mature bears circle thoroughly mm-hmm. and know when you're there or not. And that's how the big bears generally don't get killed unless the rut happens or unless you just the stars align. And then we're talking about, hey man, why don't you have more baits spread out further? You're kind of in a concentrated area, relatively speaking. Like, why don't you go put out some new baits? So he did that. And he started to check his cameras and I don't know what day it was, but he finally kind of like divulged with his phone and showed me what was really going on.
1: Well, let's put that in context, though. I recall after the first sit, you walked into camp and said, Brian, I need to see photos. And he kept disappearing on you. He would go away. And then I think like two or three times you asked him for some photos and then he finally,
2: yeah, day four, he finally like busted out his photos, his all his trail cameras, all his yeah. bait sites, that's 16 cameras. And I started to understand what we were up against. So the yes. wildfires that were still going on while we were there were not far from us. And they had, they still don't know how they started. They're thinking it's arson because they have some political stuff going on, but there was so much wildfire going on. That towns nearby were being evacuated. Yes. I even was hunting in part of where a fire had just burned through. I was hunting a burnt area. But because of this expansive wildfire, Alberta, you can, BC, you cannot shoot grizzly bears. They're not huntable. And so that's been going on for years now. So they have a surplus of grizzly bears. And these grizzly bears migrated south of the fires. And guess where we were? South of the fires. Every bait that Brian had out had a giant grizzly bear on it. Yes. Eating the food, sleeping at the bait. And guess what? Black bears and grizzly bears don't mix. Yes. Black bear It's basically considered a bait site, a kill site, a food source. Obviously, the grizzly can't bury a barrel, so they're just going to lay down next to it. Grizzlies are known for killing, eating, burying, leftovers, eating, burying, sleeping until the food source is gone they don't leave a food source whereas black bears will come in, eat a little they don't bury it, they'll go find somewhere to lay down downwind, and they'll come back and forth which is why baiting for black bears is so awesome grizzlies don't leave sites for nothing so now we are starting to realize why we aren't seeing any bears and why our guides have damn near sawed off shotguns with them when they drop us off (laughs) And Everybody. we don't even have bear
1: spray. <laughs> I was like, why are you getting... Yeah, they had...
2: Mm. They had a pump shotgun.
1: Yeah, with buckshot.
2: It's time to interrupt this podcast and pay some bills. Give some shout-outs to my partners. These are the cornerstone to the Shaped Grand. Shout-out to Matthews Incorporated, shooting the Phase 4 33, in 2023. Really excited about the split limbs. We're talking the quietest, most vibration-free bow on planet Earth. Shoot it at a local dealer near you. Vortex optics running the UHDs, running the Viper 3000 for rangefinder. If you are in the market, eurooptic.com, discount code ELK10 takes 10% off. If you want some of that Vortex wear, including that Sun Slayer hoodie, discount code ELKShape takes 20% off. On X Hunt Elite membership, discount code Elkshape, 20% off access to all 50 states. Complimentary membership to Top Rut, the most precise draw odds out on the market. You also get Hunt Reminder, never miss a draw deadline. And it's the most robust platform proven in the backcountry for accuracy. Numa Outdoors, that is the hunting clothing I wear in the backcountry, discount code Elkshape20 will take 20% off. Kufaro coming out with the new backpacks in 2023. The new vinyl harness. Check it out at Kufaro.net. Their website has been updated. Best backpacks, best frames on planet Earth. Magview discount code Elkshape 10% off. Digiscoping made easy. Made in America lifetime warranty. Wilderness Athlete new discount code 20% off. Elkshape 2023. Enter that. Check out the Elkshape packages. Links are in the show notes. You can see the Elkshape stack that I take year round as well as my September stack and include the Mrs. Elk shaped Stack. Buck Knives made in the USA. They're my neighbor 20 minutes down the road since 1902. Two different style of knives for the backcountry this year. Check out the Pack Light Series. There's four different offerings there if you want to save weight or check out the new Alpha Scout or the Alpha Hunter. Both will be in my kill kit in 2023. Crispy Hunting. Brickstall's Mountain GTX. That is my new favorite boot. Been testing it for the last six weeks. Putting it through its paces. This is an awesome boot. It's got a flex rating of three and it's very universal well-rounded all mountain all types of hunting check it out you can order online and if it's not the right fit you can send it back for the right size crispy is made in italy stealth cam non-cellular and cell they have a new cellular coming out actually i have my hands on it it's got on demand so if you want to get a picture anytime you want you can press a button they also have the regular 4ks which i'm a huge fan of leaving trail cameras out year round especially on elk wallows discount code elk shape 20 will take 20% off on non sale and elk shape 10 will take 10% off cellular marsupial get the enclosed vinyl harness with magnets never have brush debris in your bino harness and check out the new hip quiver as well. That's just out as well as their bow case, rifle case. I rock them all back who e-bikes discount code elk shape $300 off. If you're in the market, use where legal they are stealth mode and always black Ovis 10% off any purchase discount code elk shape plus free shipping and it's fast Last but not least, we have sheep feet, fatty, alien gear, crossover symmetry, canvas cutter, discount codes in the show notes. Back to the podcast. And for black bears? No. For the grizzlies. And so, man, I feel for Brian, but i it's a combination of wildfires, grizzly bears inhabiting all his bait sites, and just bad luck. Because prior to our arrival, producer Tim and his dad had shown up last, the week before, before the fires and grizzly bears. And Brian informed me that Tim hunted for 30 minutes and killed his bear yep. And on day one. And then his dad hunted for an hour and a half on day two and killed his bear with a crossbow. Correct. And they were on the road. Yep. And here we're four or five days in, and we got one bear on the ground.
1: Two sightings, three sightings. That was two. it.
2: Two. So Dan, the firefighter, from Red Deer comes up with with me to two and a half hours and sits the stand that I the platform stand where that Sal was living, and he shoots a tension activated release called the what is it John Dudley's um the Silverback, Silverback, which I don't think is a great idea for hunting because you can't really make that thing go off, and if you do, you're not as accurate. It's only act the sear breaks when you pull enough. And so he takes this, when this bear comes in that night, he said he took his hand off the off the safety and was pulling, and it wouldn't go off, and then she moved. He had to let down, put the safety back on, let down. Three different times. And finally, she stood in a spot where he could shoot. He came to full draw, took the thumb off, got the safety off, pulled, 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 and when it finally broke, she had already started moving, and so the arrow hit. Pretty far back. So it was a rough follow-up deal, but they did get the bear finally, and he killed his first bear. So we got two subscribers with kills. We got a sow, and we got a 70-pound (laughs) bear-ish. And that's it. Yeah. 30-pound? Okay. It was
3: a a small, but it was probably a a year-and-a-half-old bear. Yeah. Um, kicked out, kicked off a mom, whatever. Um, it's really hard to judge, especially when you have never seen a bear before,
2: and especially from ground blind. When you're you the ground blind,
3: the bear comes in. Your adrenaline pumps up just because it's bear and it's twenty yards from you, and <clears throat> he's like, "Well, it was at that in between the rings or whatever." It was on the barrel. On the barrel. And so he he shot it and he wasn't he wasn't disappointed at all which was um, awesome which was awesome and I don't think it was I don't think that was much smaller than the first bear I shot. Yeah. <laughs> it was like we've that, all done it. That yeah. happens especially uh first they look a bear. A lot bigger right before dark. They're uh bears are fluffy so they look a lot bigger than they actually are and yeah um it's a it's a very common new bear hunter mistake that you can even get fooled hunting bears for a while and just not not fully uh, appreciate their size
2: well after dan tagged out i we had two days left on the hunt and i was like dad you can come up there and hunt with me like these setups are good they don't have grizzlies on camera you at least have a chance do you want to spend the extra five hundred dollars to go up there? And he didn't want to, but he did, so he did. So he did, and he went up there. And his first sit, again, this is tough because we're going to some other outfitters' baits, mm-hmm. and we don't really know the nuance because the outfitter's not there. We're hunting with their our guides because you have to have a guide, and our guides don't really know the guy's setup. They don't know. So our guides just bring a ground blind and a chair and kind of guess where the bear's going to come in, where the bear's going to circle. But you ended up, they dropped me off, and then you ended an hour and four minutes, continued on your drive, and then you send me a text of your, an X waypoint, and I'm like, dude, he's 16 miles as the crow flies from me. Where the hell are you? And you had a pretty good encounter.
1: Yeah, I did. I, uh, well... I will say I, my heart rate got up because on the walk into the bait, I saw scat pretty fresh within a couple of days, that pie plate plus. Wow. Just like, okay, you know how we are when we go walk up to a bait and you see normal bear scat around, and then all of a sudden during the rut, that big one. Is laying right there close to your bait, and you're like, "All right." Come to up. think
2: of it, I never saw any bear poop on any bait sites that I hunted. That's another red flag because when we've baited yeah. in the past, the dominant bears like to dump right on the bait site, let everybody know what's up. Yeah, there was no letting us know what's up. I didn't. I don't know if that means there was no bears or I just didn't. Did you see any bear poop on the bait sites?
3: No, but um, my my experience is that in where i've baited before they they don't bait they don't take a dump right in front of the bait they go down like they're on their way leaving the bait site 30 40 50 yards away that's where they they all dump and i don't ever um the baits i've ran before i don't ever see that until i've shot something because i don't like walking around everywhere and so i'll shoot something it'll run off the 50 60 yards and die and when I walk over there, I'll walk through a bear trail or whatever. And then yeah. it's like, oh, my gosh, this is this is where they've yeah. been yep. pooping yeah. after yeah. they eat.
2: That's more fair, accurate description. Um, but e- either way, you saw 30 piles of poop walking into that bait uh, site. Uh, you
1: know, probably 12 just on the – it was just a little spur road. <clears throat> but I was hunting the edge of a burn, too. The burn was all around. And around – 8 o'clock or so, I look up and I see a bear coming. And about an hour before, I was wind checking and I said, I need to move this blind to the other side of the bait. Because if this bear comes where Brian thinks he's going to come, I'm going to get winded. So I think I texted you, bear, and uh, I never saw him again or her. And then it was about 12 minutes, I heard a bear crash out behind me. He mm-hmm. left in a hurry. Got your wind right dude. where the wind took took me, and then uh, you know you sit there for till ten ten, and you hike out to the road. So that was the only bear hide I saw, bear fur I saw in seven days.
2: And we ended up going back one more day. Place. Then I got
1: my eyes open to the next day. Okay, yeah, I've got an education. So <clears throat> Clayton was the guide that day that took us over there. And I told him what happened the night before. And he said, We, we got to look around, man. We got to figure out what this bear's doing. Well, we really got an education. That bear had six, seven huge main trails going to that bait. Every direction. And I just kept finding... I've got tons of pictures, these giant piles of crap all around me. And then where I put my blind, it was burned. And his tracks were there. And I went, holy smokes. I mean, huge pads. And it wasn't a grizzly. It wasn't a grizzly. It was a black bear. And so we set the bait up again in a different location. But then about 15 minutes before dark, I thought I'm not going to kill a bear here. This is not going to happen. I don't care how many days I sit here because that bear has a trail coming from every direction and he is huge and he is smart and he's going to circle me. And if I'm not up a tree 25 feet and I get a break on the wind, he's not going to get killed. Now, He would get killed from 150 yards or 200 yards with a rifle shot. Yeah. But a bow shot, 30, I was 30 yards from the bait. No way.
2: No, he's too smart. They can um, bait with beavers up there where we can't down here in the states. For most states, you can't use like any game animals. And the beavers, they put in cages. Like, so they, it's got to be skinned. It was kind of nasty, guys, but the tail's intact and the gland. And they put these beavers in the cage, a metal cage, and they hang them up. And the bears, seriously, the one I saw, the sow, she spent 14 out of the 15 minutes she was there trying to eat a beaver that she could probably never get a bite of. They like the beaves. Yep. Um, That was interesting to me. But takeaways, fellas, because... I don't feel like we've been very positive, but we've just been very honest. I like to err on the side of transparency.
1: Well, Tyler, uh, I'll let you sit at the judgment <laughs> seat on this one. <laughs>
3: I that like like um, that was my first guided hunt ever, so I didn't really know what to expect when I showed up. Um, I think like. It was kind of unfortunate for Brian, the, the circumstances that led up to it, because, like, the week before, they killed four bears, passed on multiple. Some of the bears were killed early on in the sits, so the opportunity was there the week just, le- like, literally days before we, we showed up. So whatever happened between then and when we showed up, Changed and uh, I think because Brian's new at outfitting, he doesn't have his his baits were spread out, but they weren't enough to where if a grizzly came into the area, it wasn't gonna scare it, was, it scared all the bear off of all of his sites.
1: Exactly.
3: So he needed to. I think my last or my thought anyway for him is he needs uh, three or four different like locations to set up three or four baits. So then it, it might be half hour, hour drive between the two, but you've got four or five bait sites you can, you can put in. And then if you do have a grizzly bear come into one of your groups of baits, all of your baits aren't, aren't screwed and you have different options and you can move people around. And if you need to move camps, you move camps, um, so that, it, that's, I think, a learning thing for, for Brian, and I think moving forward, he'll figure it out and like um, capitalize on that hard lesson learned that uh, we weren't able to connect on bears because he didn't have any other options. Like once the, once the, bear, the grizzlies came in, all the black bears left, he had no, nothing on any of his sites. He didn't have any we were sitting sites that weren't getting hit in multiple days. So he just didn't have any options for us. And there was no options for spot and stock. The bears didn't really hit the, um, there's so much feed in these woods that the bears didn't have to come out to the roads to feed. So, um, there was, there was no like spot and stock type options or like drive roads and see bears. Um, so there wasn't there just wasn't he needs to have more options, I guess, uh, for people in the future. Um, the The camp, like i i you called me like three weeks before, and we're like, "Hey, can you go?" And I'm like, well, maybe. anyway, uh, I was able to go, but um, so I didn't have any expectations on where we were staying, really. Um, and so when we showed up, we had the tents. Uh, they were nice enough for a back country type uh, uh, camp, um, so we were closer to the baits, so we didn't have to travel as far before and after um, sitting, and then. Um,
1: how far? How far did you travel to your baits?
3: Uh, I think the farthest was about 30 minutes away from from where we were camping, so it wasn't. It was. It was nice because, like, when you get back. You, after sitting and you get back to camp at ten o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. You can eat something, go right to bed. You're wow, not traveling nice. <laughs> you're not traveling like Dan was, uh hours after dark, um, to then sleep. So um the the camp was set up decent for a, a backcountry camp. I thought that was good. I thought um everybody there was super nice. Yep. Um they they just are new to outfitting uh it didn't sa- it sound like they're they've all hunted a lot but they're new to outfitting and so um learning all these little nuances for the outfitting side is is where they're at and they're learning they'll learn from these mistakes and grow and i think i hope he does he does better in the future
1: uh yeah to piggyback on that uh Brian, his wife, their son, super sweet. Uh, I think father-in-laws were there helping out in camp, cooking. Um, these guys all work together uh, at remote job sites all over the Northwest Territory in Canada. They're carpenters, they're electricians, they're machinists, just super cool blue-collar guys. And I think the hardest stress on me was not seeing a bear because you and I, back when you first started writing and doing stories and articles, we went with a couple, three outfitters to check them out for articles and stuff. And I kind of knew that it really doesn't always go very well with an outfitter. You figure out in, you know, a day or so that, they've got their little program and it's not very aggressive. And so, but from that standpoint of view, I thought the guys up there were trying their hearts out and Brian was on the phone trying to make something happen for us, which I really, really appreciated. I took the $500 gamble because I thought I'm 66 years old. You know, I never know if I'm going to get up here again. Why not play a little game of blackjack? Maybe I'll hit 21, you know. And and so, yeah.
3: That's... And you wanted to get a bigger bear than Andrea.
1: Yes, my <laughs> wife has the trophy <laughs> for our family, and she is retired from bear hunting now because she says she has nothing left to prove. And I'm tired of hearing it. I wanted, I wanted a nice, big, fatty melon head. And that I could put next to hers and dwarf it. But that didn't happen. And I actually have a little different perspective now that a few days have gone by. And this is my perspective. I think Alberta has a serious grizzly problem. And I think that uh, those guys go into those baits every day with those 12 gauge shotguns with double-op buck and slugs in it. Uh, they know they got a problem. And Tyler hit the nail on the head. You know, like you say all the time, bears hump and defend themselves with their noses. They don't see anything. You walk right up to them and shoot them sometimes, and they don't even know you're there. I've seen that five times on your videos. And I just think there is a lot of grizzly bears and the fire probably pushed them but i also think that uh if you don't have baits 10 miles, 15, 20 miles apart dude you're you're messed up when the grizzlies come in cuz i saw those trail camera photos and they i got to be giants honest giants
2: everywhere black bear giants uh, everywhere yeah
1: i got to be honest with the audience i would not have sat in my blind four nights in a row if i had known that one mile that direction
2: was a 600 that plus grizzly pound grizzly yep
1: and I never hunt where we hunt bears without a sidearm. I don't. I refuse to do it. I don't leave the cabin without something on my hip, and I don't go tracking them late at night without that 44 mag on my hip because I don't want something to go wrong. But when I actually saw his photos, I was truly shocked that something that big Remember that one where they smashed that 55-gallon drum like a beer can? Mm
2: -hmm. Just
1: smashed it flat, and I was like...
2: Black bear can't do that? No. No
1: no black bear I've ever seen. Well, I
2: did get an email from Brian yesterday, and the bait that Tyler was hunting now has another grizz on it, and it by far exceeds any of the giant grizzes we already saw. It is twice the size of a 55-gallon drum, and it's sleeping on the bait site. And Perfect. it will stay there Perfect. until it doesn't get any more food. So
1: how big is Andrea's bear skull? It's a
2: Boone and Crockett bear, so he's uh, 20-something inches. Okay. All right.
1: How big is the grizzly heads we saw?
2: Uh, they're bigger how than How many that? inches would you I, guess? I don't, I, don't no know, idea, I don't know. I don't I know. But I've, never seen, s-
3: I've seen grizzly bear, like Alaska side side. Alaska grizzly bear and black bear side by side. And the... The grizzlies dwarf the black bear skulls. And
2: that's not coastal brown bear. We're talking just no, like just bears. A, yeah, yeah, just
3: a regular grizzly bear versus Their heads a black are bear. Their head's huge. Yeah.
2: Their shoulders are huge. Their hump is huge. They're, it's very obvious what a grizzly bear looks like. Yeah. If you haven't seen one yet, guys, you'll know. And I just laugh because you can't bring firearms into Canada. It's tricky if you are going to try to do that. We didn't do that.
1: Can't you, you mail can't one even to the bring, outfitter?
2: I, you have you to do You
3: can bring bear spray, and I
2: sh- You can should have
3: brought some with it. But, but
2: you like have to like in Canada. If you buy bear spray, like they, they have a registry, like they write down I've, your name. I've and stuff. brought
3: uh, bear spray to Banff before. Have and you? And it's it's not that big a deal. To I'm just talking it. the
2: residents of Canada. But the residents, yeah, if you have
3: to you like sign sign something saying you.
2: It's damn near a handgun type thing. Yeah, not, minus a waiting period. But long story short is we all should have had bear spray and i wasn't even in a blind for the two sets i sat at the grizzly infested bear area yeah i'm just like i don't need a blind and i was i was so jealous to see my buddy cam i don't know where he was hunting with a john rivet not far from us and he's got like selfies How how far Couple hours to the north, maybe hours north of where I was hunting. So maybe three, four hours north. I think
3: it was probably because we're we're like two miles south of Edmonton, and I believe their camp is about two miles north of Edmonton. Two miles or two hours? Oh yeah, so they were probably
2: two more hours north of me, north of the wildfires. Okay, yeah. And Cam's getting selfies with bears at the bait site, (laughs) and I love Cam, but I'm just hate him right now because like that's what I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to see and shoot a mature boar because they got Canada's got them, they got the size of black bears that we're all wanting to shoot. Oh, but they are this is what happens when people make decisions on emotions and they're like, No, we don't hunt grizzly bears. They're they're, the last I heard was that Alberta thinks they have 900 grizzly bears in the entire province. That's what they think. How they measure that, I don't know i that's what,
3: that's what the game department says
2: that's according to the outfitters we're with it's like oh we only have 900 no you don't you have if you do
3: all of them are right
2: here all of them are right here right now
1: well and they need those those grizz have no fear of humans they just have no fear of them and that's a game changer you know when you're sitting there in your stupid little ground blind And you're dealing with a bear that has no fear of humans. The black bears run away if they see you, you know, if they smell you. They're not coming in.
2: Right. The biggest excitement for me was to spend time with you guys together in a chill hunt. That was the best part. And then meeting those subs. Um, But I was dying inside because (laughs) I can hunt. That was eight days I burned. Yeah. Those are eight days I could have hunted two hours from my house and probably got a stock in a day. Literally. And that's what it takes to be successful spot and stock bear hunting. And I live for that. I'm not really into hunting bears over baits. I don't like I definitely condone it. I think it's awesome. <laughs> but there comes a point in time where like you compare baiting to putting a backpack on and boot leather and humping it and crossing canyons and creeks and the physicality of hunting a bear in the mountain spot and stock. No. Nothing <clears throat> compares to that.
3: I think it uh I like baiting where i bait because there's not the as much spot and stock opportunity mm-hmm. so um i think it depends on where you're at and what what's going to work best for you um baiting is a lot is a lot of work you're you tons of work you're getting bait you're taking it to the bait site you gotta bait well for me i bait multiple times a, a week um So you're driving up to your sites multiple times a week and then eventually after you've done that for multiple weeks, then you get to go sit and hope something comes in. When you're there. When you're there with the wind right and everything else. And like it always especially when I'm first putting up baits and or um like year to year, sometimes the the wind'll just be different one year versus the next year and so you got to sit multiple times to figure out how they're coming in and what the wind does like because it'll be different like um, I had a bait that every time I would go to bait it the wind was blowing up canyon not up hill but up canyon so like right to left as I'm uh, going into my site so I hung my stand accordingly and then at the last half hour of the day, the thermal switch, and so my stand is in the wrong spot for that. It's great for everything up until that last half hour, and so
2: that's uh, when bears come in, anyways.
3: It is, but I was never there. Yeah, and so um, baiting during that time period. So it took a couple of sits to figure out. Okay, I need to move the stand, and like um, as soon as as soon as the wind changed to where it was terrible for sitting i either got down and sat on the ground or left just because um that's smart it, it doesn't if the wind is bad you're better off leaving coming back another day than trying to or hoping that it'll be okay yeah. which it doesn't well, What <laughs> changed, doesn't work
2: this changed the game for me and my dad the year we set up a bait on the edge of a clear cut and uh, it had a cat road That was probably four or 500 yards to the bait. We had never done this before and we didn't do it on purpose, admittedly. So we set the bait up. We put a stand below it, but kind of sucked because if you sat it for the majority of the time, your wind's going up. And then the last 30 minutes, it would 180 and the bears would be coming down Mm -hmm. and are coming up from the bottom of the Creek where it's cool. And they'd smell you and you never see them. Well, We were going to bait one day and we're like, I'm like, dad, we can actually see the bait from here. Let's just stop and see if anything's on it. Sure as shit. There's a bear on the bait and it's 500 yards away and our four wheelers are turned off and I got a bow and I'm like, hold my beer. (laughs) Since that day, we have never put a stand up on that spot and we have looked for spots like that now where we can put a bait and we can see it 500 yards away and wait for the evening thermals to kick in. Mm -hmm. And when a bear comes in, they're at the bait for several minutes, which is more than enough time, especially if you clear out a sneak path, which we ended Mm -hmm. up doing. So the road would go almost to the bait and the bait was about 50 yards down below in the timber. I remember bringing a rake and raking out a sneak path Mm To shoot the bear, and it, it we've done that so much. That's the only way we've really killed bigger bears on baits. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they've all smelled us because they're really they live in a world of smell. Yeah. So I've
3: I've done that a couple of times, but with a rifle, um, sneaking. We have the one bait that I always have trouble with the the um, the wind. Um, the one year it would just swirl like constantly. Like you'd sit it and you would never see anything because the wind would just swirl. You'd be like, oh, it's good now. And then ten minutes later, it swirls, but it like doesn't. It just swirls just enough that they won't come in while you're sitting there. So we would wait until that last half hour, hour, or whatever, and then we'd sneak in from the top yep. on the ba- on the trail that we basically made to bait it. And you pop out, and you only have you know a couple of minutes when you pop out. You're about hundred yards above them before they smell you, and you can like you can literally watch them. They'll be eating. You'll pop out. They'll be eating. You'll, you'll be looking to see if it's something you want to shoot or not. They'll, they'll pop their head up, look directly your direction. They'll be like, oh, they're coming. Grab a little bit more and head out. So you've got just this short window, and my brother's done it and I've done it, where you pop out on the spot, you look, and you've got 60 seconds maybe to sit down and make your shot. And make it count, but we've gotten two bears that way. So yeah,
1: it's been pretty here's cool. one for you. Uh, we kind of learned this too. Uh, do you remember the time I took Riley and Andrea up to uh, the bait? You have to go by the trailer with the grouchy guy. Yes, yes. So I was trying hard not to give away locations. That, that works for me. Does that work for yeah. you? Uh, so we had learned that and it takes years to gather this right oh, yeah yeah you just you pick stuff up how many times you go and you'd bait a bait and then you would leave and then you come back the next day to hunt the bait and you pull the card and you go rod left 715 bear entered sight 725. Bear stayed on site for four and a half hours and ate all the bait while Rod drove back, right? Uh, So you learn this program. So remember the time uh, I took the four-wheeler and a dirt bike, and I went to that bait, and I dropped off my wife with her bow. And then I went up to the bait you were talking about Mm -hmm. with my grandson. But we did it differently. We were rifle hunting, so we went about 200 yards away. Okay. Set up on the hillside. Okay. Just cleared out the brush, just got comfortable, having a little bite of sandwich. Radio goes off. 15 minutes after I dropped her off, bear down. I'm just going to read a book. You guys go ahead and hunt till dark. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. Uh... So the wind was right for her. We rang the dinner bell. We drive away. They hear the bears hear the four wheelers leaving. They're like, Oh, let's go on in and have our lunch. <laughs> they didn't know someone was sitting my, in the tree stand.
2: The
3: magic barrel that comes magically, has treats for us, is re- Supplied.
2: Supplied. supplied. With my sister's donut shop donuts. <laughs> Doesn't and the, suck having a sister owning a donut shop, by the way. Uh, uh, well,
1: that, that cinnamon bear that I shot remembered that bait. I checked that bait. And there would be a bear on it once every two or three days Yeah. for like five minutes and then gone. And this happens almost every year. It was the last week of the season. You had already tagged out. Yeah. And sure enough, here comes this cinnamon boar walking up the tree line. 368-yard shot. Dropped him like a rock. There's a four-wheeler trail to my bait. Thank God, because... Old duffer like me, I was struggling to get that bear on the front of my four wheeler. You know, they're like a lifting a bag of Jello.
2: Especially boars with all the muscle; yeah. they're very mm-hmm. dense.
1: But it was so cool because his face was just scarred to the max, from just fighting. massive scars from fighting. And I think it was a little later in the rut, and he was like, "I'm hungry. I'm going way up there to that bait. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm going to refuel because." I've been fighting for a month now.
2: That bait site's tricky, man. It's very, um, you'll always get bears on it, yeah. but it's been so tough to get consistency. No on consistency. Yeah. The last thing I want to say before we shut this one down is like, the Brian and the guys had this program that sounds pretty cool, and I'll show it when we make the YouTube video, but they had these super soakers, and they would open up a... Bucket full of restaurant grease, load up the super soaker, and then they would spray it 20 feet in the air all over the trees in the surrounding area. And that's pretty cool. But I remember telling – I was – I mean, Brian's a great guy and very, like, no ego. And so I was very humble. And I was like, Brian, man, I got to be honest with you, dog. Like, that's a cool thing. But, like, wet grease, that smell doesn't go that far. Cook that grease. Cook that grease. Cook that honey. Do a smoke burn.
1: Burn it every
2: damn time you go to a bait site. We that's one thing we always do, is we cook grease. Don't have a grease fire, but cook it on low in a big pot for an hour while you're baiting, getting camera set up, and let it simmer. Don't boil it, and you will make the mountain smell like restaurant. Like like you will make them smell like McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And then same with like every time I would bait after that, I would always pour the grease out after I cooked it all over the barrel. By it where the bears can get it on their paws mm-hmm. track that all over their pads all over the mountains and bring other bears in that is the thing it does work but i like to burn honey or liquid smoke every time i sit a stand and i watch that smoke just go just carry forever mm-hmm. i just think you can ring a dinner bell better by smoking mm-hmm. every time you go to a bait and that's what the boys did in idaho when we went on that very first outfit trip and i think that's the best practice that they should adopt they mm-hmm. would
1: use liquid smoke. Remember?
2: Mm-hmm. Mixed with honey.
1: Honey. And burn it. Really fog it with smoke while you're getting your gear out and stuff. He's over there burning his little pot. And uh, remember, he was always dressed up because his girlfriend was there. So he looked like a high school boy going to the prom. He had his nice pants on, his nice dress shirt for his girlfriend. and he's... I don't remember this. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> And he's burning his liquid smoke, and it's very, very effective.
2: Carries forever; it's the smoke very gets effective. on the trees. I I don't know. It's cool, but all in all, it is the three hundredth episode. Your boy ain't killed a bear yet in twenty twenty three. I hope to change that. Tyler, you're gonna get out at all this year?
3: I hope so, but
2: Dad, you're gonna get out at all?
1: I don't. Th- think so
2: yeah you're not that mad at bears anymore are you uh
1: no i would really like to get mad at bears but i haven't i haven't set a bait up um i've got another month i could probably get one active i just really miss riding those roads up there on the dirt bike or the four-wheeler and seeing the moose and the elk and yeah counting things counting animals maybe i'll get out we'll see
2: Thank you guys for listening to us jibber-jabber on the 300th episode. Appreciate your continued support. Uh, Can't do this without you guys. Hopefully, you guys get a chance to get out there and do some bear hunting in the spring. Maybe not this year, but next year, it's an adventure hunt. Watch the mountains wake up. Do some predator control. Work on you. I mean, I can't think of a... Bear hunting has always fast-forwarded my archery game. I've always had to have broadheads fixed flying amazing by May. Whereas most guys, that's not a concern until August. That's really fast-forwarded my setup. I I get to test and vet new gear upgrades. You get to watch the mountain come to life. You see more game because it is spring and they're moving up to the green. And it's just awesome to get out after a long winter. Hopefully you guys can do that and chase some adventure. Appreciate your support, separations, and the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.